We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. TickPick should be your first choice to buy basketball tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees, ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Laker Film Room Podcast and Blue Wire Network. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And guys, last night, at some point in the middle of watching Anthony Edwards score 21 points in the third quarter uh, in an extremely fun performance from an extremely fun player, I had a love burst for the NBA. Last season, man, like, I found myself more looking at my phone. Just the NBA had a harder time keeping my attention, the general NBA watches, and uh, having the fans back in full force. I think the quality of play is much higher with that without the quick turnaround. And remember, we had that condensed schedule that I think really had guys kind of going at a 75-ish percent for a good portion of the regular season just so that they could get their bodies, you know, through the regular season. And a lot of them did not, as as was well covered. Um watching those the games this week, this opening week now, I think, you know, we opened up last Tuesday has been a delight and it's been fun to fall back in love with the NBA. And speaking of a return to normalcy, joining us from a hotel in San Antonio, Mike, what's it like, man, being back, uh, back in the flow of things? It is good to be back on the road. I, uh, we obviously traveled a little bit for preseason. And so that was the same. That was to Golden State and Phoenix. Um, now Texas does feel a little different, right? There's a, there's a different level, the different level of observation, um, of everything that's going on in the country uh, in that context. But I, um, I'm looking forward to a regular season game on the road, which is something we haven't seen yet because this was the last time that the Lakers were traveling. Um, we saw, like, I, for regular season games, they were playing awesome uh, in those games. And now some of that changed a little bit once the injury started. But so this is where is it going to be the same number of Laker fans traveling right uh, from, from before? Is that going to be changed a little bit with COVID or not? Uh, are, are they going to get that same boost though? And I know that the, the teams that they're playing against are going to be playing up for them once now that they add Russell Westbrook to this context of LeBron Navy. So 
for all of those reasons, Pete, it's it's very interesting to me, and I'm kind of I'm pumped to see what the atmosphere is like tonight in San Antonio. Yeah, I'm really excited to to see how we travel. I think we're going to travel well this year with our fans. D, what have you noticed so far? We're going to just go around the NBA today. Just things that each of us have noticed, directions that each of us want to take us in. So, so what what would you like to discuss? I think the general parity of the league is super intriguing very early on. Yeah. Right? Like, and we did we talked about this some when we were doing our our tiers discussion and there were really only two or three teams that were clearly at the bottom, right? It was like, oh, the OKC, right? Like they're playing for draft picks. And Houston, um, who is still probably looking forward to some Nets picks in the future and, and trying to cultivate their young talent. But wins probably aren't the most important thing to them right now. And there's maybe one or two other teams that are like that around the league. But a lot of the other teams are really trying to take a step forward. And if not try to get into that play in mix, then really show that they are they are on the up and up. Right. And whether that's because a general manager wants to save his job or a head coach wants to keep his job and the level of play is reflecting of that. Last night we were texting back and forth as we were being league pass fiends, right? Like, oh, where are you guys at? Let's watch that game. <laughs> yeah. And, okay, I'm off that game now and I'm and I'm yeah, going let's go to watch this game Denver now. Cleveland, yeah. But that Denver Cleveland game was a perfect example. Denver has the reigning MVP. They've been playing well, I think. And Cleveland went into Denver and played really well and got a win. Right. And it's sort of like that's the sort of thing I think we've been seeing more of early on in the season that some of those below average teams have tried to take a step up and, and really get in there to compete. And we'll see if that keeps through the rest of the season. But in this first week, that's caught my eye. As we were doing the group thread text and, and jumping around watching all these games, I, I wanted to see if you guys wanted to pick a team uh, to focus on briefly in, in the West that really piqued your interest. Um, I have mine. I'm curious if we picked the same one um, or if we all picked different ones. Pete, do you have yours? Do you want to go first? I, I do. Mine is Minnesota. I'm really intrigued ah, okay. by Minnesota. I love Edwards. Um, I think that they've got some you know nice wing talent there. They lost to the Pelicans, right? And Edwards was upset about that. Really, my fascination with Minnesota is more fascination with Edwards. Jalen Green as well. Like I kind of put them together and these dudes are electric scorers. Like I, I think both of them are going to win a scoring title at some point in their careers. And I'm just so fascinated by the skill level that players are entering the league in. That's been the big thing over my lifetime, at least, that has really stood out, has uh, has been, or that's the big thing over my lifetime that stood out uh, with player development is it's a whole industry that's really grown. Uh, Jasmine Watkins, who's a great Twitter follow, tweeted out a while back a Pat Riley practice, Darius, of the Lakers, you know, getting ready. And it was like getting ready for the finals or something. And their warm up was like, all right, run, you know, run some laps around the court and, you know, do some stretches and things like that. And now it's just from the time you're five years old, if you got any ability at all, you're in this whole system, right, that develops you and Guys like Anthony Edwards and Jalen Green, when you combine that with their personalities as well, are really a reflection of that. So I know it's not a team, Mike, but just kind of like the holy crap, the young guys in the league are so good. And that's part of my love burst for the league right now is just like and then LaMelo, right? Like watching Charlotte is super fun. So that's really what stands out to me about this this first part of the season. 
as you're describing this, right, and I'm thinking about those Pat Riley teams versus today's teams. And if I asked, if I put this on the bus, if I put this to Stu or Michael Thompson, right, they would probably say, yeah, well, those guys knew how to play basketball better because they just played more basketball with each other. Whereas, So the, the move now has been towards skills and individual workouts. And this isn't for every player, right? Like Austin Reeves, for example, has some skills, but he clearly has just played a ton of basketball. And that's the balance, I think, sometimes. And, and you can get you can I don't know a ton about the AAU system, but I've heard some people go on rants about it where it where it focuses more on some of that skill development, which is amazing to see. But, you know, can these guys just have that feel and read for the game in the same way? But I, I'm not saying that applies to Edwards or Green. I haven't seen Green enough. I've certainly seen Edwards enough. And, and I, too, Pete, uh, love the way that he plays and the style that he plays. But. Darius, what do you what do you think about that mix, and how how do uh, how do those young guys fit into it compared to the team basketball, and are, are those are those things in dissonance, or um, do you think they can go together? I definitely think they can go together. I think the best players in the league are still the ones who are both the most skilled, but can incorporate those skills into a level of team play, right? Like it's why I. I go back to Kobe about this a lot because the other day we were having that conversation about Carmelo Anthony and, and like how refined his bag is and like the footwork. And Mike, you brought up Kobe as a perfect example of that idea of footwork, right? And I think Kobe very much for his generation probably was that, that skill player, that guy who worked and refined and crafted his game so that in any game situation there was a shot or a move that he could go to in 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 order to get a key basket and and but Kobe was at his best when he was mixing that and all of the team play right and the idea of no I'm reading the whole floor now and within the context of where I am and and time and score and what the game situation needs and this is you go over there and let's balance the floor this way and there is so much of that that goes into thinking the game at a high level and so some of the stuff that I think you're talking about Mike is experience based and it's 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 environment based like what are the stakes to these games and the idea of young players developing I think isn't just like how good can I be right because these high end elite players um they're going with the right amount of work ethic and people around them I think they're going to come close to their ceiling a lot of times like injuries and everything can can mess that up right but are you going to learn the winning aspect the things that are necessary in order to go out there and win a basketball game. And those are the steps that I'll be very interested in watching in Minnesota this year, Pete. And so I, I'm super happy that you brought them up as a team, right? Because I think that players like Edwards and LaMelo, who you brought, brought up, there is an infectiousness with their personality that I think leads to fun. And fun leads to everyone sort of being their best selves yes. every day more often. And then when you, are, when you are bringing your best self to work, and we all know this from our own work environments, when you are bringing your best self to work, work is easier and you want to do better at that. And when you're playing a sport and a team sport, that togetherness then leads to something bigger than just your own individual production. It leads to a stronger team play. And that's when the habits of winning are born, 
Right. And, and so when I look around the league, I look at our guy, B.I., right. We were we were watching some of that um, that New Orleans Wolves game, game. Mm-hmm. last night. And I really hope that B.I. is a player who can start to experience some winning soon because there is he is at that level now where he can get his stats. He can get his numbers. And and there is another level, though, beyond get, getting your numbers. It's, it's how to make those numbers applicable to winning. And in the fourth quarter, he kicked the Timberwolves' ass. He got to spots on the floor. He said, give me the ball. I'm going to take over. And the geometry of the court is going to shift towards, towards me. And, and, and so watching young players like that get to that level where, hey, my game not only works for all seasons— for all applications, but now I'm going to bring my teammates along with me. That that is, that's why I'm a fan of the game. It, it's 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 all of that togetherness of team play that matters to me. I'm glad you brought uh, New Orleans up too, Jerry. So they New Orleans and Minnesota have played back to back now. They just play the last two games, and it's a to me it's a good way to look at the West. So Minnesota opened with Houston and beat them pretty convincingly, and then again the aforementioned two games against New Orleans, which means that it's kind of tough to tell. Right. A little bit like if we look at Chicago in the Eastern Conference and like they played New Orleans once, they played Detroit twice. Um, and who do they play last night? Toronto. And, and they, they beat Toronto barely. So it's like w- when we're starting to do this early season standings watch and OK, what's real, what's not? Well, there's a lot of teams that are towards the bottom of the expect- expectations in the conference that have been playing each other. And then there are a lot of teams up top uh, that have done the opposite. So what I would say about Minnesota, Pete, to kick it back to you on them like, I definitely think they, they are going to be in that play-in range. Uh, if, if everything goes perfectly, they've got a shot, you know, to get a little bit higher than that. But they are just so poor defensively um, with the personnel they have on the floor that, that it was just easy, as Darius mentioned, for a real player like B.I. to get to his spots to score uh, and to do it efficiently because, you know, you've got Towns starting at the five. Then on the, you've got D'Lo um, as your point guard. Edwards, I think, is getting better defensively, but is still figuring some of that out. And then they try to start a couple other defensive players around them um, in a Kogi or in McDaniels, but they're super young. And so it's just not it's not like a cohesive team, cohesive system yet, but it's explosive. It's a lot of talent and they're definitely electric. So uh, how does that have you thinking about them in terms of where they might if they can get up into the teams that are starting to threaten towards a legit playoff seat? I think the kind of doldrums of the season, that December through February, early March period will be really important for them as it is for young teams with playoff aspirations. That's the time to let go kick a veteran team's ass, right? Where it's it's January in the middle of the season, you're far enough away from the beginning to where you don't have that, it's the new school year juice anymore, but you're far away enough from the finish line of the regular season to really see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the time for Memphis, who we just played, is a really good example of a team that can kind of come together and it's a it's a combination of those older teams right not playing at their best in that part of the season but also starting to figure out some of what is involved in that the in on on the defensive end in particular and I'm glad you brought that up Mike is you were talking about uh, Mike and Stu and guys from the the older generations talking about, well, we knew how to play basketball better, right? We understood it. I agree from an improvisational sense. And what that is to me, Darius, is the game's become a lot more paint by numbers than it used to be. If you watch one of those old games, you're like, why is this guy here? Why are those two guys there? The spacing of it is so foreign to us now. And the spacing that 
we have now is because it developed from that point to where it is now because in large part of analytics and understanding, oh, if we stand in the corner for the three instead of that baseline jumper. Remember Kurt Thomas and Charles Oakley and oh, yeah. all them dudes who would hit those 15-footers right along the baseline? Those are corner threes now. And so the spacing of the game is different. And so I actually think young players' ability to navigate overall offense is greater than it used to be because they're being put through fewer scenarios. There's like 10 to 12 scenarios that you could describe probably 90% of half court actions in the NBA these days, in, in part because everything is so you go there, you go there, and it's very uniform and homogenous throughout the NBA for the most part. But it's on the defensive end where that idea of BI getting to a spot, part of that is because those young players that you're talking about, Mike, not really knowing what they're doing, including Edwards, not understanding, oh, he's running off of this Iverson cut so he can get this 15 footer and not not defending that, you know, and so D, that's something that I see in terms of like the player development and and Minnesota in particular. That's kind of how I see them is in that range, having potential, but just like us, they've got the ingredients, but it still needs to cook at a very different point of their development. I also think too that when I look at young player when I look at young player development arcs um and young teams, I look at where's the leadership going to come from? And who from a group of young players is going to step up and clearly define himself as the guy who is going to be the torchbearer for that team, right? And it's it's sort of that, like, we had a conversation the other day offline about the Celtics and sort of Tatum and Brown, right? And, and two super young, talented players and which one of them is sort of going to ultimately be the leader for that team and say, on, a, on an every night basis, you can count on me, right? And if it's both of them who can be counted on, then they're going to compete for championships. Like, they're that talented, right? But if it's only one of them, then that team can at least then find its way and build appropriately around that. And Towns might be the best player on the team right now. Edwards probably has the most, like, charisma and combination of charisma and game to be that guy, but he's only a second-year player, right? And so who is going to say on a middle of January night and some team is traversed into cold Minnesota, right? To play the wolves. And it's a veteran team. What, why Who on that team is going to say, why stick the adjective in front? We, we got to talk about the weather, Jarius. Why did, why don't we always have Mike, to go to the when weather? When it's cold outside, when it's cold outside, you don't want to do anything, Mike. I know that you were birthed in the cold. I understand. Hey, he's, he's king of the north. Yeah. You, know, you, don't know any, you don't know any better when you're growing up in it, but it's facts now, okay? Now that I've been yeah. in L.A. since 2008, so it, you know, I'll, I'll stop being defensive about it. Oh, man. But, but th- there is a certain amount of... Uh, all right, are we going to let these dudes just come in here and kick our butts? Or are we going to be the ones who say like, no, 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 Mike, to to your point, though, we were bored in the cold. This is like, this is our house, right? We had to go to the grocery store in this. Y'all just got here. Yeah. And, and so they we're going to heated seats in the car like that, man, like they do now. OK, like we're going to take y'all out. And there's a certain amount of leadership there that I look for with with young teams and who is going to be that guy. And um, it's still an open question to me in a place like Minnesota. 
that was something D, that impressed me about last night's game with Minnesota is that they were down by a lot and they ultimately fell short. But there's there's different different points during a game where a team can go like, hey, we're going to pack it in. We saw Portland do that against the Clippers last night. Right. Where it's just like we're not going to put our foot on the gas. Yeah. And the the Wolves were down by quite a bit and they they got back into it, right? Like they played with that spirit. And that's part of that first uh, signs of leadership is Edwards going, hell no, we're not getting our ass kicked by this team. Like we're at least going to make a game of it. And so that I think is important in a big picture sense. Just two quick things on this one. My car now has a heated steering wheel. Don't need it in LA. Okay. Could would have been great in Minnesota guys. If we could have done that about 25 years ago. Now, the, the whole thing Jerry's just brought up with Tatum and Brown, I think, ties in so well uh, with this whole kind of construct of what basketball is like now versus before. But that's the part that hasn't changed, where you have two guys with incredible individual strengths and incredible talents. But can they, play, can they make each other better? Can they really figure out how to optimize, optimize one another instead of what it still looks like to me, which is kind of disturbing because they've been together for a while, that it's, okay, your turn, my turn. And... They're get like last game of uh, the Boston played last night. They were starting to get there a, a little bit more closely and they came together and they actually won. They beat Charlotte, um, who was playing well, and, and Tatum and Brown both had good games. That is where they can go to that next level. Uh, and, and that's, I think you could say the same thing about we just discussed, Pete, about Minnesota. If Towns and Russell and Edwards, and really more Edwards and Towns, because Edwards is, is a better player uh, than Russell, right? It, this So they can they really figure out a way that. Okay, hold on. We're both amazingly gifted on offense, but if one of us really takes a step on defense, then we're going to start beating teams as opposed to just the your turn, my turn thing. And and Pete, there's a there's a couple teams that are a little bit higher in the conference um, that I've been thinking about that uh, you know I'm looking forward to here. Let's uh, let's take a break. Come back and get to that. Lakers basketball is finally back. And there's no need to exhaust yourself by searching all over the internet to find Lakers tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site. And the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NBA tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NBA tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices on the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in purchase price. I'm excited to see this Lakers squad get out and transition this year, and there's nothing like seeing a great fast-breaking team in person. Visit TickPick.com slash LFR today and use promo code LFR to save $10 on your first order of Lakers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Mike, we focused on a, a, a team that's probably outside of the top eight, at least, although we will see. It's going to be a, a, an interesting year. But yeah, let's refocus our, our efforts and energy to the top of the con- conference. Who would you like to discuss? I want to talk Denver for a little bit. And the three of us, I know, watched most of the game that they had last night against Cleveland. And all of this through the Lakers lens is so interesting because I think, you know, we all still have the Lakers in this upper upper echelon. They had the first two games that were struggles against Phoenix and Golden State. Things got better in the third game. And we'll see, partly depending on LeBron's ankle, we'll see how how that evolves throughout this next week. But they're about to play some of these weaker opponents now. And... So that's why getting into Minnesota and New Orleans is interesting because those teams, even if they're towards the middle or bottom of the conference, can still beat you on a given night the way that the Lakers are playing and until they figure stuff out. But to get back to Denver, when we had talked about the Nuggets before the season, my my whole kind of concern about them was how much Jokic was going to have on his plate. But he was going to start amazing based on how the great shape that he was in, based on uh, on just how much of a master he is of their system, based on how clear the hierarchy is there. And you look at there, he's led them in scoring every game. He's led them in rebounds every game. He's led them in assists. In, uh, it ended up being actually just one of the three games, but he's been around five. And he has to do everything. He was already starting to look tired in the second half against Cleveland. And... Jamal Murray, who knows when he's back? Is it January, which would be nine months? Is it not until April, uh, which would be 12 from the time that he tore his ACL? That's going to tell us something, I think, about what ends up happening to Jokic. But it's those same days, Pete, that you referenced earlier, the December, January, and part of February. Can Jokic really keep this up, doing everything? Because they don't really have a backcourt right now, guys. Like, they, this is... I, I posited maybe this is the weakest backcourt when Murray's not out there in the West. And can they really sustain to be a team that's a real threat um, throughout all this with everything on Jokic's back? Maybe he can handle it. Like, he's he, again, he's done it so far. But they're, that's why they're my highlighted question mark team. So I, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on them. I think a lot of what's going to happen in Denver is going to depend on is Porter Jr. actually ready to make the leap? And he's struggled so far, Darius, right? Yeah, he... Mike, they just paid him a max contract, like, and he's basically been off limits in any trade discussion, and that's reflected now in the salary that they've paid him. They see him as the third star, and this is Denver, right? They have not been a team that has typically invested high dollars in multiple players um, across the entire roster, and so they have invested in Porter Jr. clearly as that third star that can play next to Murray and Jokic and help propel them towards a championship. And without Murray now, it's Porter who's scoring, who's not, so not only is scoring, his scoring is always going to be important for them, but like an uptick in usage is going to be super important 
for them? And does he have that ability to be one of those players who ups his usage while remaining a very efficient elite scorer? And that's that's a tough needle to thread, Pete. A lot of guys can't make that jump. And and Mike's Mike's saying now that it's, it's like, look at his averages, 11 points, four rebounds, 38 percent from from the field through through three games those are the numbers that it's just like I don't want to pick on my boy Kuz here but like when Kuz was in LA and it was like oh third star third star and people mocked him because he was putting up numbers that were even better than those numbers that MPJ is putting up right now right and so that idea of needing to raise your game and meet the moment there's a need for that right now in in Denver and Porter Jr. is the question mark to me. I think he's talented enough to do it, Pete, but doing it every night and being talented enough, there's a gap there still that needs to be filled and it's up to him to fill that gap. I think your point about usage is spot on in that I'm more concerned from the Denver point of view, at least, and this can always change, but Porter needs to be taking 20 shots a game with Murray out. The I think the underlying message of Mike's point is that Jokic has had a tremendous burden on him for a long time, and he paid some of that bubble tax, not all of what we paid, but very close to it, had an MVP season in which Murray did get hurt later in the season, and even by design. I I love how Denver's roster is constructed from the point of view that they are very much built around their best player. I do agree with your point, Mike, that they probably are the weakest or right there with them of the backcourts in the NBA or in the Western Conference at least, but the that's in part because you have Jokic absorbing so many of the playmaking duties that it's kind of like, you know, Mario Chalmers or Derek Fisher as your point guard, quote unquote. You know, what you need your point guard to do when you've got Kobe Bryant or LeBron James is different, as is the case with Nikola Jokic. But the point is that all of that burden is on Jokic now, with Murray out in particular. And it's a, the when you combine that with kind of the, accumulation of the burden that he's had. I I very much see where you're coming from, Mike, and I see that as something that they're going to need some shot creation. And in terms of where that's going to come from, it's got to be Porter. He's got to be taking 20 shots a game. He's talented enough to do it. Well, and this is why I like you guys, because that's the I I didn't even bring him up right in my little speech before him. And and he, of course, is the key point. So while you were talking, I was like, I I was trying to remember how well or or not he played in the postseason. And I remembered him as being fine. But in the Phoenix series, in the sweep, numbers actually aren't that different from where they are right now. Like, so a little bit better because he played 32 minutes in, instead of 30. But 15 points, five rebounds, one assist, and on let's see, on 38% from the field. And that's you know that's when they needed him to step up. They needed him as that number two, and he wasn't there. In the first round, he was a little bit better against a, a, a Portland team that was really struggling at the time as well. And by the way. That's where I want to get to next, if we uh, if we can, uh, unless Darius, you had a different team, but uh, 19 points, seven rebounds. So and it's not all about the numbers. It's just like Porter. He had such a he's had such a polarizing career so far. And now he was in he was in the news for different reasons in the offseason. And it's just hard to get a read watching that watching that game where it didn't really notice him much other than taking some open shots. And he still has the beautiful release. You know, he still is basically seven feet tall, 
the talent is, is there, but I, I just wonder what that connection point is. And, and that's going to be a, a fascinating team to watch here. Um, I'm just, uh, I'm what, what I've seen so far, I'm looking at the under um, for, for the rest of the season. I, I definitely see where you're coming from on that. And in the spirit of increasing the usage of a player like that, how easily can you get to 20 shots a game D if you're not a great ball handler. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to is in terms of shot attempts. Well, also too, you mentioned building your system through Jokic and that's where it can become more difficult when you don't necessarily have a lot of other teams use perimeter based attacks through their guards and wings in order to generate shots. Right. We talked about the Celtics earlier. I think that they are a great example of that. They, they are all wings, Right. You got Brown and Tatum and oh, look, there's Marcus Smart. He's doing a Brown and Tatum imitation. They got Dennis Schroeder. It's just like, OK, Dennis, you're going to go out there and do the same stuff that these other guys do. It's just like create, create, create. They run so much action through the elbows off dribble handoffs through cuts and screens that if you don't get open on some of those cuts, you may not get a shot attempt. Right. And there isn't a lot of opportunity there for him to run, pick and roll unless they actually tell him, all right, well, you got to do Murray stuff. Oh, we're, so we're talking Porter now. Yeah, you, Porter the, again. Right. So that idea of of getting up to 20 shots a game, it's just like, yeah, if you're going to handle the ball more, if you're going to run more pick and roll, then you can maybe get up to 20 shots a game. Are they going to start running Jokic sets for him? Because that's where the hub of the offense is. Right. It's one thing, again, if you're on a team where it's just like, let's create from from the perimeter, then those shots will come to you. All you have to do is just be more of the same guy that you already are. But they run stuff through their bigs in a very like unorthodox way. Right. And so unless Porter can be plugged into some of those sets as the guy who's operating at the elbow or at the top of the key through delay sets, then maybe he's not going to get more shot shot attempts and so it's 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 tricky there especially since he doesn't have a replicative skill set between who's denver's primary stars already are so the only game after that right doing our tech and we're struggling a little bit here uh, all right game's over right um mobley looks great you know rubio has a nice game off the bench uh Gar- garland's developing okay darius's guy kevin love is uh, is looking great for the first time this season all right, okay which game is left clippers blazers Guys, that game was over in two minutes. It was over right away. And yeah. I listened to Chauncey Billups after the game. And Chauncey, you know, he, he started with the kind of predictable, it was the effort, like it wasn't good enough. But then he said, we told the players, hey, the Clippers are win this. They're going to come out desperate, just like the Lakers did in their third game. They're at home and we have to meet that moment. And, and they just clearly didn't. And it was to me, it's it's a mix for them. It's a little bit different from Denver, for example, who I think it's a personnel issue for Portland. It's a little bit of a I don't want to say a crisis of confidence, but there's something there with all the stuff going on in the offseason and, uh, and centered around Dame, right, who everybody loves uh, the way that he's played. And it's it's just it's hard for me to see that really turning this year uh, based on on what is available to them to do and tweak and stuff. But that's another team I have circled as a as a this is going to be difficult for them, I think, to get through this early portion of the schedule and be where they want to be. Pete. Yeah, there's a cliff there for them, meaning that this could go sideways very easily for the, and in watching a game like that there is a certain amount of it's obvious like 
heart isn't in it type of thing. Like, at least for that game. I haven't watched any other games, and they're not winless, right? But yeah, they beat I don't know. Phoenix, considering they beat every- Phoenix after the Lakers uh, beat Phoenix, where Phoenix almost seemed like, oh, all right, like but that was a great start. You know? Yeah, we got our win yeah. against the Lakers, right? Yeah. Well, that <laughs> was the second night of a back-to-back for the Suns, too, right? Yes. So, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, great stuff. How many times have you guys seen in your career? Uh, I'd say it's career, like it's your job to watch. Like, hey, man. But yeah, um, <laughs> which, you know, now it is. Uh, have you seen the team that like smacks the Lakers and then the next night is, is just terrible? Oh, it's all the time, man. It's it's always <laughs> that. It's you know what? It iron uh, steel. What is it? What's the saying? Iron sharpens iron. Yes. It's it's that for us. It's always been that for yeah, us. You're never yes. going to get a, a team's, you know, lackluster effort. So I don't really want to talk about the Blazers very much. They are a, you know what the Blazers feel like to me? I don't know if you guys remember this show called Pit My Ride. It was on MTV. Exhibit was on of there. Of course. Right? Of course. And, and so premise of the show, some guy has a bucket. Whose episode? Whose episode are you go to? I'm all excited. Uh, no. Uh, well, I'm just saying premise of the show, you have a bucket car. You take it in to this auto shop and they do all kinds of stuff to it, right? They pimp it out. They put TVs in there. Now you've got like a cooler in your backseat. You've got all of this crazy stuff. But in the end, you're now just driving a bucket with TVs in it, right? And so, like, you've done all of this stuff to this car, but it's just like they didn't fix the transmission. Oh, right? this analogy. Like, 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 they didn't do all of this stuff. And Portland, Port, Portland's not a bucket. Dame is great. But they've done a lot of tweaking to the roster, right? It's just like, oh, okay, well, let's – out goes Gary Trent Jr. and in comes Norman Powell. Like, oh, that's an upgrade. Like, out went, out went Al Farouk Aminu and in comes um, – Robert Covington, like, oh, that's an upgrade, right? Out goes Derek Jones Jr. And in comes Larry Nance, like, oh, that's an upgrade. These are all, like, tweaks, though. Like, the bones of the car are essentially the same. And Mike has made this argument a bunch. Your team is built around Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. They are not great defensive guards. They are elite shot creators and scorers. But at some point, that team has a ceiling. And all of these tweaks are not eliminating the ceiling and so they have done a lot of tweaking they now have a cooler in their back seat they've got tvs in the headrest they've got the best sound system that you can have but the bones of the car have not changed and and that's my analogy for the portland trail blazers i think they need more of an overhaul than what they've gotten and some of what we're seeing in terms of their limitations this year aren't too different from what their limitations have been over the course of the last four or five seasons, even though the new head coach is there. The only thing that's changed, and, and that's I totally am on board with Darius with that, is Lillard has not played right to the typical level he almost always does. So he's two for 24 from three so far. That will change, obviously. And with that, it, they will go up some in their in their own right. But his minutes are down some. Um, his assists, have, he's kind of let McCollum do some more of the attacking, which happened actually at the beginning of last regular season, too. Uh, McCollum came out of the gates just firing, and Lillard was kind of like, okay, this is working, and his assists were up. But uh, he's not being as aggressive, so his shot attempts are at 16 right now, down from really his whole career. He's, other than his rookie, his first kind of two, three years, he's been at 20. Um, so it's just, uh, yeah, he's he's not he hasn't been the same game yet. Now, if he kicks it into his high gear, maybe that filters onto the rest of the team. But then, as Darius said, they're still that same car, right? There's, they're not wholly changed by kind of Nance, our guy Nance, uh, coming in 
and as their sort of major offseason piece. So it's a it's a team for me to watch there. And, and I'm I'm already I've already got like Memphis past them, Pete, for my preseason picks. And I think that, you know, they've got a they're one of those teams that's got to watch for a team like Minnesota um, if they can start to get a little hot, which was one of your calls. And even the way that Sacramento has been playing, Sacramento is one of the teams that beat Portland. Uh, they Now, they lost a tough game last night, but they're playing a little bit better than them right now. So Portland's got more talent, but it's it's a all of this stuff is interesting, man. Like you said, to start this pod, Pete, like it's every night I, I got those eyes out looking around the league. Right. It's so good to have the NBA back in, in it looking like the regular NBA with with Portland, I think. Lillard knows that it's essentially the same car too and makes me wonder if he's going to put it into his high gear when he knows the team does not have one collectively. Uh, an in, a situation to monitor, of which there are several around the league. I want to have a chisme gossip uh, show one of these days where we talk about the Simmons situation, the Kyrie situation, go totally off brand and just go into all of the, you know, the drama around the NBA. But this was fun. It was great to cover the NBA, have it back. We'll be back tomorrow after the Spurs game. Uh, but until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it! Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. 
And with one size fits all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with movement. Get up to 50% off site wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.